Section 10 of Christmas and Christmas Lore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Christmas and Christmas Lore by Thomas G. Crippen. Section 10. Christmas Ghosts. The mention of goblins reminds us that in many places the twelve days of Christmas were deemed a particularly uncanny time, when witches, ghosts, fairies, and the like were apt to be abroad on various mischief-making errands. This unpleasant superstition may have had a dual origin. In the howling of the winds and raging storms amid the winter's darkness, men thought they heard the voices of supernatural beings, who were probably malignant. And the spread of Christianity, such as it was among the rude northern peoples, brought in its train the adoption of the Roman calendar. Thus the superstitions associated with the end of the old and beginning of the new year would gradually be transferred from Halloween, the Celtic New Year's Eve, and the corresponding Scandinavian date, which fell near about Martinmas, to Christmas in the calends of January. So it came about in, G in Germany and the Slavonic countries, Christmas Eve was deemed a favorable time for auguries, as Halloween was in Scotland within living memory as to those mysterious beings whose voices were heard in the winter storms they were very diversely conceived of though always as objects of dread they were the wild hunt or the raging host or gabriel's hounds or the devil and his dandy dogs they were the souls of those who had died by violence or unbaptized or under a curse and odin attended by the valkyries was their leader in other places they were ancestral ghosts the family dead revisiting the old homestead and in some of the Scandinavian countries it was usual in this belief to have a meal spread for the ghosts on Christmas Eve, and to leave the beds for their enjoyment while the family slept in the straw. In Sweden and also in Poland it was usual before supper on Christmas Eve to scatter hay or straw on the floor or on the table, obviously a memorial of the stable at Bethlehem. But some anthropologists who derive all religious observances from a supposed primitive animism suggest that the custom was designed to establish or confirm family relations with the corn spirit, and thus ensure a plentiful harvest. In other parts of the north, witches or trolls were thought to ride about on bears, werewolves, or broomsticks, so that it was dangerous to go out alone. One version of the story was that the trolls and etc. were on their way to Rastikas, a mysterious palace within the mountain, where they would hold festival for the disappearance of the sun. In Germany, the leader of the host was a woman called by different names in different places, who was attended by dogs and who in various ways punished the lazy and sometimes rewarded the industrious. This reminds one of Milton's Lubberfiend, the English Robin Goodfellow. In France, it was thought that Satan was exceptionally busy on Christmas Eve, trying to tempt worshippers on their way to church. He sent witches and warlocks, hobgoblins and ghosts, especially the ghosts of suicides, to roam around farmyards and lurk near cattle sheds. Therefore, on Christmas Eve, all doors of stables, cowhouses, and sheep pens were securely fastened, and no woman was allowed to enter them on any account. Oxen and asses were indeed secure from harm, but horses were especially exposed to the mischievous attentions of La Follette, the French equivalent of Puck. The immunity of oxen and asses from the attack of malignant spirits is in no doubt related to the legend of the ox and the ass as attendants at the Holy Nativity. Universally popular as this legend is, it has no foundation in the New Testament, nor in any ecclesiastical writer earlier than the year 400. It seems to be based on a strange mistranslation or misreading in the Greek version of Habaku, chapter 3, verse 2, where instead of, in the midst of the years make it known, we read, between two beasts thou art made known. 
in hebrew the two phrases are so similar in appearance that if badly written one might easily be mistaken for the other now in isaiah chapter 1 verse 3 we read the ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib and with this the misread passage about the two beasts has been associated and so in an apocryphal gospel of the fifth century we read the most blessed mary went forth out of the cave and entering a stable placed the child in the stall and the ox and the ass having him in their midst incessantly adored him pseudo matthew chapter fourteen a little literal fulfillment was thus invented for an imaginary prediction but it is with real regret that we give up the tradition which tells that ox and ass before him bow and he is in the manger now in poland and livonia the unseen terrors of christmas eve were werewolves and vampires in greece they were the calicancero hideous monsters from the underworld half human half bestial who went about by night doing all kinds of wanton mischief and they were not completely exorcised until epiphany when the priests sprinkled the house with holy water it is evident that in all this there is very little but pure heathenism End of section 10